Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, gentlemen. This is the Victor Davis Hanson Show. I'm Jack Fowler, the host, the star, the namesake, Victor Davis Hanson. He's here. He's the Martin and Neely Anderson Senior Fellow at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. He has an official website, The Blade of Perseus. You'll find it at victorhanson.com. We'll talk a little bit about that at the end of, of the show. A couple of topics to talk to today as the Victor Davis Hanson Show crests into the final days of 2023. I think, Victor, the first topic will be about the great people, uh, the leaders and bureaucrats of California now wanting the people of California not to drink the water that's up in the mountains and come down and into the bay and it goes out into the ocean, but they want them to drink their processed sewerage pee-pee and poopy and whatever the hell. I don't know what kind of madmen run that state, but we'll get your thoughts, Victor, on that and some pieces you've written uh, for your website and other matters. And we'll do that right after these important messages. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show so, Victor, I'm reading uh, a great website, Legal Insurrection. I don't know if you know uh, Bill Jacobson, the yes, founder I do. of it. He's just yeah, I, I, read, I read it. Guy. It's very good. I read it a lot. I love Bill. Anyway, yeah. this, so there's a piece up there uh, the other day by a report, Leslie Eastman. California approves rules for converting sewerage, sewage, S-E-W-A-G-E, I thought it was sewerage, uh, into drinking water. And, Victor, so we... You, Heard you talk about this several times over over the years here. We've been doing the show, but uh, all the money the residents have allocated billions to spend for retaining actual water, so they can drink it and use it for commercial purposes. Not a not a extra uh, ounce of water has been or water retention has been built by the state. Money goes out. Excuse me. The water goes out. 
um, to uh, the Bay and into the Pacific Ocean, so much of it that could be used by the good people. But, but they're not going to give them the water that's up in the hills, but they will now spend additional billions of dollars to start a process to turn wastewater to drinking water. I'm, Victor, I'm just like agog. The water's there to drink. Just put it, put it down the aqueduct, let it get here. Screw the Delta smelt, but no. But we will spend billion dollars to to build these treatment plants, so you can end up drinking your, you know, what used to be your urine. It's 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 crazed. Your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. I didn't understand that article. I really didn't because whenever I, because I farmed for so long, and whenever I had a water issue, I'd always look at what Israel's doing. Israel is surrounded by enemies that all have claims as, as well as Israel does to the only source of of potable water other than the aquifer, which is the Jordan River. So they're in a rock and a hard place. So they have five huge desalinization plants. And they even have a UN one, I think, that supplies Gaza with water that Israel helped plan and facilitate it. But they also recycle about, I think the the desalinization plants, depending on if they're all in operation, et cetera, and they give water to the West Bank, they 50 to 70 or 80% of the potable water, but they also recycle sewage water with a caveat, Jack. They use that as you would think for irrigation water, right? For, you know, like gray water. And I don't know what, when California, when you say sewage water, I don't know how you distinguish gray water comes out of your washing machine and sink from the stuff that goes in your toilet. But it seems to me we're not in Israel's place. What do I mean by that? We have the Klamath and Cascade mountain ranges. And more importantly, we have the Sierra Nevada. We have the highest peak in the continental United States in the southern Sierra at Mount Whitney. We have last year, we had 210% of our snowpack. Now it's dry today, but all we, and we have the most sophisticated water reservoir we did, the California Aqueduct and the California Water Project and the Central Valley Project. My point is this, if we wanted clean water and to refill our aquifers, All we have to do is diminish a little bit the Kings, the San Joaquin, the Sacramento, the American, Kalam, all these rivers, and don't let them go out at 90% to the sea. And we don't do that. So all that bounty we had last year is lost. And and then getting worked up, and I promised I wouldn't do this in the holiday season, but we're blowing up four dams and reservoirs on the Klamath River, four of them. And they all have hydroelectric and they all have water storage. And we passed a water bond 10 years ago. It specified $7.5 billion and about half of it was to build reservoirs at some place called Los Banos Grandes. It's not too far from San Luis. Another place on the Sacramento called the Sites Reservoir. And right here on the San Joaquin River above Millerton Lake at Temperance Flat. Would have given us three to five million, depending on how you know how fully they were developed, acre feet of water, million acre feet, and we don't do that. We don't do that. So California's forty-one million people, and, and somebody in a little room said, "Hmm, we're kind of deplete, depleting our aquifers at a rate that they can't be sustained." 
somebody else says, well, we have all this water. Why don't we just keep the reservoirs full and build more of them? So when the snow melts, that we would have more water in the reservoirs, we could add another 10 or 12 million acre feet and that would accommodate for the growth. And then somebody obviously on the other side of the table says, but there's the Delta smell, this three inch minnow. And he's the canary in the mine. So we've got, and we love 19th century whitewater rivers. Somebody else, but it's not the 19th century. It doesn't matter. I I want to deindustrialize. Let's just go back to where it was in 1860s. We used to have salmon at fifty thousand dollars salmon. We can plant them and and get them back up the into the Sierras and stuff. And Native American peoples can live along the river and look at the river as it was in 1820. So that's where we are. So then somebody comes up with the idea. Well, we flush. You know, we're already in California with no. I don't want to be gross, but. If you have these low water, you know, we were kind of doing high pressure designs rather than volume. And when you go into an airport in California, it seems to me they have to flush it twice. Every time I go into a public toilet, it's not flushed. And my point is that we we don't have to be reduced to using sewage if that's what it is, raw sewage water to to especially when. Let's be even grosser, Jack. We're told that one of the ways that we now can adjudicate whether COVID is on the rise, that it has had manifestations in our guts and your your right. flora of your stomach and intestines is a barometer to how well you're fighting off COVID or maybe you could fight it off on how much COVID you have in there, spike protein. And how do they measure that? They measure it in sewage. So you're going to take that and what, radiate it all so there's not an iota of a virus in that wastewater? I don't know. Why don't they just do this? Why don't they just build some dams and reservoirs? Don't let out the San Joaquin and Sacramento watersheds out to the ocean at full blast. And don't blow up dams anymore. And just, just use the water we have. It would be very easy to do. And and maybe, 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 maybe if they really want to worry about sewage, they wouldn't squirt their sidewalks. I know everybody says, well, it's weak. Recla- I see them squirt when I go to San Francisco. They, they high pressure the water. It goes into the storm drain. Are we assured that all the storm drain water is treated at the same level of efficacy, if at all, as sewage? I don't think so. That goes out into the yeah. Oh, so oh, oh, they're they're cleaning the the uh, the poop ridden sidewalks. Yes, uh, yeah. Just go fly over fly over San Francisco Bay sometime and see the affluent that comes out of the storm drains. Yeah, and it's not a pretty sight, nor is it in Los Angeles. So, I don't know. It's it. They always go after the misdemeanor problem when they can't address the felony, and the felony is that we have unhygienic feces on our main sidewalks and street of our major cities and we're short water when we have a lot of bounty because we don't build reservoirs because of ideological reasons and so now we come up well maybe we'll just take your toilet water in your house and you can drink it after it's clean <laughs> next thing will be they'll have an, an like instead of having solar pa- we have solar panels to generate our electricity i'm sure they'll when you flush the toilet and it goes in the sewer there'll be a little screen or something that blocks the effic- the 
heavy effluent and then the water will be filtered out and then it will be going through some tank and it will go back into your refrigerator and your cold water. Oh, gosh. I can't wait for the future. Uh, another thing is, <laughs> do, do, let me ask you a more existential question. Yes. Do you really believe that the civil engineer who's going to design all of this and the chemical engineer and the environmental engineer with a new PhD from Cal State, Fresno, or UC Davis under the new non-merocratic is going to be able to do this? I don't. I'm just looking again. I don't want to beat up on high-speed rail, but some right. engineer, we don't have engineers that can do it. It's, it's. Right. You know, it's By like By the this, way, Victor, the, the, the well, cost I just, of this is, is insane. Uh, I, I kind of just tell you this. 65 when I was billion. on this. Well, when I was on the city, well, that's your debt in the state. Yeah, but the, the cost for building these things in communities, and I was on the Milford, Connecticut uh, City Council, Board of Baldwin, this is over 20 years ago, to retrofit our water treatment plant in town, population of 50,000. At the time, just to make it uh, more capable of extracting nitrogen, it, it was a $65 million project. That's not nothing. to build a new plant. And that's 20 years ago. I, I mean, I can't, I, I can't well, imagine well, PJ, the costs of this. You should, you should see the, lo the lawsuits are up to near a billion or more than that for PG&E, where all of the faulty transmission wires that caused all those fires that everybody's suing them about. They don't have the money. They've already had to recapitalize, I think, once or twice. And... The, we know what the problem is, Jack. The problem is we have too many people who are on all sorts of subsidies and too few people who make enough productive income to pay the taxes to subsidize all of these ideas. And then we have people who allot monies that have harebrained schemes like high-speed rail and drinking sewage water. And it finally all came to a head, and the head is... 280,000 people looked and said, I'm right. out of here. I'm not going to, yeah. I'll give up paradise and live in a natural purgatory that we turned into paradise and let your natural paradise be purgatory. Yeah. Because that's what it is. It just makes you weep. Every time I go to Tennessee, Texas, Florida, makes me want to weep. I see all these people of all different races and ages, gender, everything. And you know what? They're all very competent. They're all very successful. They're pretty well income. They're all imaginative. And these are the people who built California. And they're gone. And I, I don't see, when I look at the border and I see 8 million people, I see human beings that have dignity, but I do not see human beings that are going to be able to come in here and make that productive income of the people who left. And that's where we are. And I'm not, there's nothing to do with race or ethnicity because they're from all over the world now. And I just see that it's a wonderful, give me your tired and your poor, but you let in 8 million people or you have 27% of the state is not born in the United States. And then you have all these people fleeing and that's the subtext of where we are and right. why the high speed rail there's not there's not enough i guess what i'm saying is our university systems here in the state are not at a level to meet the utopian dreams of the people in silicon valley in the barrier who think this stuff up 
maybe those techies are that are doing Google, you know, disinformation or whatever they do or their logger algorithms, but yeah. they can't translate in a broad sense to make sure we have efficient airports and bridges and highways and water projects. They just can't do it. Or high-speed rail, they can't do it. And the people, but, the majority of the people can't do it. And our schools are just, you know, they're rated at 45 or 46 in the country in test scores. And you can't do it. You can't have a sophisticated society without a good education system. And when you're leaving, all, you're losing this type of expertise and you've been doing it for 30 years it's finally came the the bill came came due victor uh, three things one just on the on the dumbing down my uh well a certain person i know i'm a family member uh in a pre-k public school program says the the requirements for the kids to to go to kindergarten were to, to be able to count one to 20 and know their alphabet and now they do not need to know their alphabet, and they only need to count from one to five. I mean, you got to be effing kidding me. So anyway, that's just that's it's it's just going to get get worse. Second thing you mentioned, California. We mentioned P and G. The uh, is that is it P N P N G Pacific Gas and Electric. Okay, PG. It, used, it used to be by nineteen sixty five. 1970, it was the most forward-looking, efficient, and well-run power company in the world. It really wow. was. It, it met its kind of demise, though it's not dead, of, through these fires. But did you see that Joe Biden has signed, I don't know, some executive order, some lunacy that is going to ban <clears throat> logging in all federal forests? And this is such... He's... he's <laughs> I don't know how to say it. this guy's insane. Uh, just create, turn California and other Western states into tinder boxes. There were already tinder boxes based on, but but with no logging at all on any federal land. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I, I you know, when you're talking about education, I, I won't mention names, but two uh, senior students take my classes when I taught at Hillsdale every year, and they're really brilliant. And they're old school, and they were very well educated, and they graduated from Princeton. And he sent me something, and, and I just was recalling what you said. And he said, out of a curiosity, I wondered what a scholar might study today at Princeton. I could find no listing in the internet of regular classes next term, but I found the college's the college's registrar listing of quote new courses for the spring of 2024. Now, those would be new classes that will start in January. Among them, Victor, are the following. African colonialism and whiteness, food culture and food justice, reality television, Latinx, Latinx Shakespeare, how to be undisciplined, and environmental justice through literature and film, climate colon coloniality coloniality i've never seen that word climate co coloniality race and justice sex wow. sex gender and the christian right in america marxism and race affordable housing in the united states steering the future exploring the impact of driverless cars archives of justice 
Black, Queer, and Immigrant Studies, Combating Far-Right Radicalism and Disinformation in U.S. Social Platform, and Latina Sexualities. So what I'm getting at is the student, those are the new courses, but that those courses are not going to enhance your analytical skills, your historical knowledge, your awareness of contemporary issues in terms of politics or environment. All they are is deductive. They're just trying to teach a untrained mind without the skills necessary to process inductive thinking right. or to lead to inductive thinking. Excuse me. It's we're going to indoctrinate you on this agenda. And it's not going to impart enough wisdom to maintain a sophisticated society. And, you know, it's sort of why some of the greatest aqueducts were built in the first century B.C. and A.D. in the Roman Empire. And by the fifth century, they were full of weeds and they didn't work or the roads were not navigable right. because they were unsecure. But it was too dangerous. The Appian Way, for example. Right. At that same period. So things are in reverse right now. And we need. There were, there were dark ages and they were real, right? We're, well, we're in the dark ages. We, right. we are in the dark ages. And what do I mean by that? It kind of like if I go to San Francisco, somebody invites me to speak or I'm supposed to go up there. I have to plan very carefully. It's sort of like I'm in, I don't know, 600 AD or 700 AD and I'm living in Ravenna and I have to go to Syracuse and you have to plan out your where there's robbers or where there's food. You know what I'm saying? And I have to think about the road conditions, the craziness, where you, put, you can't park in San Francisco because they'll break in. The police won't help you if you get mugged. So it is the dark ages. And then when I go to a university or something, I don't see free expression. I do not see analytical thinking. I see kind of a Soviet system. And then when I hear about, you know, that people can't afford, you can't afford electricity anymore. It used to be you know, hydroelectric, natural gas, nuclear power, energy was getting cheaper every year in real dollar. So it's, it's, you know, it's like 600, if you're an archaeologist and you excavate, and I've done a little bit of that, at 600 or 700 AD, when you get to that level, you don't, there is no glass. There's not very much glass. And all of a sudden you get down to 100 AD and glass 200 AD and it starts appearing in the fill. And so you can see the material differences and it's uh, it's that's why people, the age of marriage is going way up. The age of first children is going way up. The age of your first home is going way up. And the percentage of those who own homes is going down. The percentage of those who have met the 2.1 replacement fertility rate is going down. It's because the they're seeing that the society doesn't function anymore. Right. And and it yeah. was there so before DEI, but we need a Marshall Plan to educate. If you're going to have massive immigration from the poorest places in the world, just to take one example, then you have to inculcate people in English and inductive classes and American civics so that because I'm, I'm not a I don't believe there's innate differences in race. I really don't or. I, I don't think that somebody comes from Armenia versus someone that comes from India versus someone comes from Sweden. There's much difference at all. 
are from Africa or from Mexico. I just think it's culture, and you have to acculturate people in the American experiment. And if you don't do that, you've got 100 different countries fighting among each other in the United States. So that's a problem. But when you have youth of all different backgrounds, the more important problem, and they're not, they're the, a link in the great chain of civilization, and this link is weak, and they don't know anything because you're not teaching them anything. And the teachers who are supposed to be teaching came out of the School of Education. The School of Education has classes like I just read to you. It's almost a collective suicidal process. Well, one of the things, Victor, um, I think maybe we can touch on is one of those great institutions that is central to Western civilization and is, gosh, in a world of hurt, self-inflicted. That's uh, that's the Catholic Church. And we will get to that right after these important messages. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. back with the Victor Davis Hanson show. Yeah, Victor, we, you and I have joked around a little poking and ribbing over the years about Catholicism and confession and, and paying for. I have never called you a Catholic monarchist. <laughs> no, you, no, no, you haven't. No, you haven't. I appreciate it. And I'm not asking you to, to necessarily weigh in on, here on Catholic uh, theology, but I think you know, and m many of our listeners uh, know that recently they they saw headlines uh, that the uh, Pope, who's a, who's clearly a man of the left, there's no question about it, <clears throat> the Pope approves the blessing, in quotes, I'll put blessing of same-sex couples, and of course, most people, you don't have to be Catholic to think like, wow, the Catholic Church, which was was a bulwark for traditional values and the um, the centrality of the family and marriage, having children, some of the things you're just talking about, um, is now approving the blessing. What, what's a blessing? You know, blessing of same-sex couples. I mean, you know, priests all the time bless different things. They bless the fleet. They bless animals. They come to your home. They bless your, please bless the house. But this is different. This is different. And, of course, the leaders, this is self-inflicted by the church now. I don't, I'm not asking you to expound on this in particular, Victor, but uh, 
I think anyone, Catholic or not, should be worried about the state of the Catholic Church because, again, it is, has been, It's I think it's the creator of Western civilization in part with you know, some of those ancient Greeks and Romans, but it's, um, its decline is remarkable and it, it seems to be a captive of of the left. The leadership is a cap, cap, in captive, captivated by the left. Any, yeah. any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, when he was made, I guess he's 86, 87? 87, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When he was made pope, all I heard was first, 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 first. It was like he's a DEI pope. He, isn't he the first Jesuit pope? I think he is. The first member of the Jesuit order to be pope. That was yes. the first thing I heard. And the Jesuits right. were morally superior because they cared about the poor and they were activists. It's the first thing. I think he was the first pope to be from Latin America. I, I don't Correct. know. What they, yes. I think he was the first person maybe from that didn't grow up because some of them had been from different countries, but they grew up as part in Europe or in Italy. But I think he was the first I can't first say gener- not second yeah. generation Italian, yeah, Argentine. yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. He wasn't a European, right. so I heard all of this stuff, and he was an activist pope. So that was what he was picked for, and the church felt that they were not resonating with this new agnostic, atheistic, secular generation. So they wanted to get somebody who was a Jesuit who was outside of Europe, outside of Italy, supposedly, who had a history of leftism and would be activist. And he would bring back into the fold gays, trans, all different people, and he wouldn't be judgmental. And he would create a new Catholicism. That was the plan by the Cardinals, I think. So I don't think it's his problem because somebody picked him, right? And it was the idea that the church... Uh, doesn't believe in absolutes anymore. It's a relativist dogma, and and therefore it has to change with the times. And so, and people who don't do that, like these weirdos, not in my view, I think they're great people, but the people who have Latin masses, the FBI hunts down or, or surveils. So it's... Well, you cannot have a Latin mass, but you can bless... Same-sex couples. That's what. Yes, that's what exactly. The that's the values of this society, and the left tries to. They call themselves progressives. They want to progress beyond the accustomed norms. So they look around every morning. They get up and they say, "What accustomed norm can I destroy because it's exclusionary?" Ah, the Catholic Church today. I'll go after that next day. Hmm. It's dams on the Klamath River. Next day, it is, you know, uh, women's sports. Why aren't men allowed to compete as trans women? So they do that all the time. And then when they go to sleep, they say, I didn't do enough. Got to do better tomorrow. And it's a constant assault to every every one of these areas. It regresses. It advances. It regresses a little bit. And then the next round, it goes way beyond. The, it's like the tide coming in. And it, but if I may, Victor, always with a lie at the beginning. No, no, this is all no, I we know. Want. All we want is civil, like civil wasn't even civil ceremonies, gay gay marriage in America was rights. Uh, same thing with hey, same thing with trans. All we want is to recognize that there are some gendered 
people who suffer from gender gender dysphoria, a recognized medical condition, albeit it's zero, zero, zero point one. We just don't want to have fine. And then we find a bunny rabbit twerking at um, uh, an Easter egg hunt. Then we find a trans guy pulling up his T-shirt with two breasts at a White House uh, event. And then we we have uh, bo- bro- that. yeah books and and then same thing about the gay movement. Everybody wants to say we're not going to discriminate on basis of sexual orientation, but. Whether you're heterosexual or homosexual, we don't want you to commit anal intercourse in a hollowed Senate chamber and film it. We don't want any of that. And we don't want you to show whatever gender you are. We don't want to see your breast at a White House function. We don't we don't want to have men dressed up as women in front of little children twerking each other. So they have to push it. Each each type of detour from the norm they want to push it to an extreme to destroy the norm and to make the idea and they they have succeeded very well the number of young men who are marrying and buying a home and having two children and doing so or below the age of 30 but maybe 40 is is just in rapid decline and our fertility rates about 1.6 to 1.7 down from 2.1 as late as about 2000 and the whole that they've won is what i'm trying to tell you everything they they tried to push on us they got and then they pushed further and further and the catholic church is symptomatic of that yeah yeah and that's ironic because the catholic church said we were the ones that didn't get in for the reformation we resisted we had the counter-reformation and one thing about the catholic church if you want to have faith in the christian sense and you want to be a direct conduit back to the apostles and look at this hollow church that kept christianity alive you become a catholic because we don't we don't do what the Protestants do and have all these different sects and interpretations. And of course, now they do. They're fluid and 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 they're massaged all over the place. Yeah, kind of reminds me of Biden. We have laws that were not enforced, laws of the border or anything. Well, we're just going to uh, ignore the Supreme Court decision about student loans. We're going to do what well, we want. I mean, and the church has a catechism, has its laws, and the Pope's. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, you know what the left. What the left and you got to remember what the left does when they do all this to the Catholic Church, and then people turn away. They'll say, "Well, <laughs> Catholic attendance is down," you know, because uh, nobody wants. It's because of them. And the same thing is true of when you look at what they do on political changes. On this, take the Supreme Court. Confidence in the Supreme Court is at an all-time low. Yeah, if you go swarm a justice's house and you start threatening them, or then every single day you you write an op-ed in one of the newspapers saying you publish an op-ed that you want to pack the court, or you want to nullify a Supreme Court ruling, or you want to go out in front of the Supreme Court doors and say, Gorchich, Kavanaugh, you're going to reap the whirlwind and you don't know what's going to hit you or you want to run an article every day basically saying that a fine brilliant wonderful moral man like clarence thomas is a crook yeah of course you'll be able to change then you'll say well people don't believe in the court we warned them 
And that's how they operate. It's very Soviet. When you look back at the Bolsheviks, how that minority party took over right. the Duma in, in 1917, 1918, 1919, all the way. That was the same plan. They go into an institution, they destroy it, they attack it, and then they tell the public it has no credibility. You can't believe in it anymore. We wish we could, but we can't. Uh, people uh, are generally afraid to fight in the face of these things. I was reading some something the other day about Saul Alinsky seeing how the mafia took over Chicago, essentially, by a few actions, relatively few of violence that scared a large amount of people who then cowered. And you've written in the past, Victor, about like what we need, what society needs from time to time is the, is the Shane, is the John Wing from the searchers who come yeah. and do do the dirty work, uh, yeah. the violent work that they're afraid to do themselves. Yeah, we do. We need a tragic hero. And, yeah. you know, I, I hate to say it, but I'll give you one example from military. We, we spend $2 billion on the B-29 program. And the whole idea is that we need to get a bomber to do to Japan what we did to Europe. But you can't because you don't have anything around it. They occupy China, they occupy Korea. So we look at the nearest island as the Marianas and it's 1600 miles. But then we build this big plane that can fly 3,500 and it goes up to 30,000 feet and it's going to be unreachable and it, and it has the Norden Prinfoot bombsite. You're going to have 20,000 pounds. You're going to draw and it doesn't work. It does not work. It, the bombs are too high. The jet, you're too high up. In the air, there's too cloudy over Tokyo. The jet stream blows it off the course. It taxes the engines. You're climbing that high. It's a $2 billion failure. And so what do they do? They look around and they say, who is the most maniac, nutty guy in the U.S. Army Air Force? What's well, that SOB Curtis LeMay? Remember, he taught us how in the B-17s to stack in the formation to get the full force of 50 caliber machine guns and concentrated fire from all the squadron. And he flew in the that crazy SOB as a colonel flew in the front page. And then some guy said, and you know what? He went down all the way right before the war in the B-17, all the way down to Cape Horn and back and had the long, longest continuous flight. And he got Bell's palsy in the middle of it and stuck a cigar in his mouth to stop the drip. And he still does that. And they said, that's the guy. And he came in and he said, you know what? It's not working. We're losing. It's not going to work. We got to take this and turn it into a low level dive bomber. Put it down at 5,000 feet. The engines won't burn up. The guns won't hit us. They're, they're trained to hit at 20, 30,000 feet. The jet stream is our, our friend. It'll blow us quickly through Japan. We're not going to accurate. We're going to have aero, aerial bombing. We're going to have incendi incendiaries. And they said, oh, my God, that's against. Well, put him in command, and he did it. And then he burned down 75% of the industrial capacity, and he mined the harbors. You know what they did afterwards? They said, oh, my God. That guy was nuts. He's a war criminal. We're going to make yeah. a movie called Dr. Strangelove about a guy like that. Yeah. And they did. And then he ran for George, with George. He's a horrible person. Nobody ever said he saved millions of lives so we didn't have to invade Japan and a million of Japanese lives. Yeah. That's what we do. I think that's what we do in this country. But, you know, in, in general, that we we have a problem. We know we can't solve it. 
because it, the solution would reflect poorly on us. And right. yet we, we can't live with the with the pathology or the, the sickness. But we say that this is what Livy said, that the, the that's when society is ossified, when the medicine is seen or, or deemed worse than the disease. But that's where we were. And then somebody says, well, if we can't cure ourselves, let's bring in fill in the blanks, George Patton, Curtis LeMay, uh, Matthew Rich, some nut. Let's bring in Matthew Ridgeway, guy been married three times. He wears a uh, grenade on one chest and a kit on a medical kit. We call him old iron tits. He's weird. Let's bring him in. And that's what we do. And then when they're done, yeah. see ya, wouldn't want to be a, we'll make yeah. fun. Kind of like Trump, to tell you the truth. When you look at where the, we were under Obama and we had this crude guy come down the escalator and he said all these crazy things like, we're not getting good hombres at the border, you know, and he right. said he said that we were we've got to get tough with China. They're taking us to the cleaners. We've got to pump more oil and gas. He's got to clack down crime. So he gets us four years and everybody said, oh, my God, it's two percent interest. It's one point seven percent inflation. It's three point five percent. We we just made it through covid and. Putin hasn't done a thing in four years. He got rid of Soleimani and Iran is terrified. The Houthis are behaving. Hezbollah's behaving. Jake Sullivan's going to come in and say his Middle East portfolio is his quietest one. Wow. And then the Biden administration. Well, it's all good. We'll just go back now and, go the, and blame him for that. And we'll just undo everything. And then now we say, I can't believe we bought that crude orange man in to solve those problems. And that's how we are. Yeah. I've met so many people who say, well, you know, and I was thinking back, Victor, that was the best four years since Reagan. But I can't vote for that guy. He's crude. That's like saying Hadleyville was the best it ever was under Gary Cooper, Marshall Will Kane. <laughs> he yeah. killed those guys in the street. We have it. But I'm glad he threw his badge down and, and rode off, you know. <laughs> that's the way we are. It's so weird. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you got till it's gone, as the song yeah. goes? So, yeah. Well, Victor, um, hey, with the new year upon us, you, my friend, and all our listeners, now is the time to start thinking about those new year resolutions. Thanks to Field of Greens, they make uh, they make uh, sticking Field of Greens makes sticking uh, to healthy new year resolutions easy. Field of Greens is the simplest way to get the daily recommended fruits and veggies, and it tastes amazing. Every fruit and vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs like heart, lungs, kidneys, and immune system. For our listeners, listeners of the Victor Davis Hanson Show, Field of Greens is giving you 15% off your first order when you go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code Victor, do that to get 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com. Use the promo code Victor. That's promo code Victor. I'm even going to spell it for you. V-I-C-T-O-R at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com. We thank the good people at Field of Greens for sponsoring the Victor Davis Hanson Show. So, Victor, um, maybe one last uh, topic we may have time for a second one, but one definitely. Victor, did you hear after after all the 
sh blank whatever that's going to be converted into drinking water in california <laughs> that, that that went on in this country lockdowns pandemics deaths long covid etc that brought to you by the wuhan lab that echo health echo health peter zasek zasek or was yeah. that his name they are still getting us money it it, it is now it's receiving 25 million dollars in u.s taxpayer money 25 million this effing company this nonprofit. i i'm whatever victor your thoughts on are you surprised by that i i bet you weren't. no i think he made an argument and he said i'm peter dasik i run echo health i make four or five hundred thousand dollars a year and I have a sterling record that justifies $25 million more support. A, I was able, with the help of the brilliant colleague Anthony Fauci, to continue gain-of-function research, which was banned by law, through my Echo Health subsidies. B, I came up with a very brilliant idea of how to send expertise, both human and material, as well as money, to the Wuhan lab. Three, under my encouragement, the Chinese engage, engage in very sophisticated gain-of-function research. They had a few miss-ups, a little virus got out. But I, D was very successful, along with Anthony Fauci and Francis Collin, of convincing everybody that it came from a bat or a pangolin. It was a natural occurring pathogen, although it never appeared in an animal before a human got it. But no matter, I was able to calm the waters and keep that narrative going so that they could continue as they are today uh, in their very vital Chinese research, of which we have claims of the results because of my subsidies to it. E. And when we had apostates and rebels and disruptors who made this blasphemous accusation that the Wuhan Level 4 Biology Lab might have been the source itself of the COVID-19 virus, the pathogen that killed probably 50 to 100 million people and infected 2 billion and killed well over a million Americans, I did something very good. I got my friends at Lancet, and we had an official investigation that I helped organize of only the best people, people with PhD and MD after their name and Ivy League and Oxbridge certifications, and they went over to China. Now, they didn't get to talk to any real Chinese people involved, and they were forbidden to look at you know the records, and they were supervised by everything they've said, but given that, they came back and they we published an article exonerating the entire idea that the United States was culpable for rerouting money through me to that lab. But more importantly, we demolished these crazy, nutty, conspiracy Trumper nuts who suggested that that lab was the source of the leak. And based on all of that, I am requesting $25 million more. And presto, it worked. It was a good resume. There you have it. Well, there we have it. Well, I do think then we have a little more time, my friend, for one last um, 
uh, topic. And but let me ask you a question before we leave very quickly. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. Yes. So <laughs> I just went through the grounds why he would get $25 million. Oh, yeah. So now you have my colleague, Scott Atlas, that was the chairman of neuroradiology at Stanford. And Bad man. Was, fire him. Yes, and he and he is going to apply for a $25 million grant to oh. instruct people in public policy. Let's say he hasn't, but let's say he is. And he puts on his resume under enormous opposition and almost a sole voice. I made an argument questioning the efficacy of the COVID mass quarantines. B, right. I, I suggested that if you lock down 330 million people, that missed cancer screenings, myth, missed surgeries, spousal abuse, familial abuse, drug and alcohol usage, suicide rates, economic damage, depression, will all in total turn out to be more injurious to the Republic than the actual COVID virus. C, therefore, I suggest that we concentrate on focus on people over 60 who are most prone to have problems with the COVID virus. I suggest that they be isolated and in quarantine. Just people in that rubric. D, masks can be very useful in close human contact when people are expectorating droplets. Otherwise, they can cause false sense of security and they have health problems in themselves. So I only recommend them under limited use, if at all. E, I support the use of vaccinations and I applaud the new mRNA. And in some cases, I agree that it will have efficacy for two, three, four months and it will save lives or it will mitigate. However, I want to caution everybody that there are people with immune problems or people with age-related problems in which this untried new technology, which is not traditional vaccination, but more a genetic engineering at the cellular level that can be dangerous. So we have to use it with caution and we should assume that natural immunity of getting the virus will provide as good, if not better immunity. He said that and he put that on his resume. And let's say he applies against Peter Dasik for the 25 million. Who gets yeah. it? Oh, good old Petey. <laughs> good old Petey. And they would say, you know what they would say? Peter Dasik is sober and judicious. Right. He's a professional. He's worked, he knows all of the highest levels of expertise. He was a close colleague of Dr. Burks, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Redfield, Dr. Collins. He comes highly recommended. And Scott Atlas is, well, Scott's a little out there, isn't he? He's a little outspoken. Didn't he work for Trump? Didn't he kind of hurt some feelings, ruffle some feathers? Right. Isn't he uncollegial? Right. He's too gruff. <laughs> didn't, didn't, did I hear this on your, your uh, podcast? Which I want to recommend to everyone, Dr. Stephen. Yeah, doc, he's a brilliant guy. It was so powerful. Did he? Did he say? You ask him. He said that for every one person saved from the lockdowns, there were. I don't know. I'm making this up. Nineteen deaths. Did I don't I, know. I don't. I don't, I don't remember the. I don't know how. I don't. I don't know the exact figure, but he. He never said, I say this. He said there were studies. Right, right. Yeah. That that the total number of 
injuries and deaths and and problems was much greater at a, at a high magnitude than the virus itself. Yeah. He also said that he cited studies, I think it was from Germany, but our listeners can correct me, that the latest studies suggested that if you went through the double mRNA vaccination and you took the boosters at the recommended interval that that was advised, I think we're up to four now, right? Right. Some of them are bivalent. They have flu and RSA and COVID all in one in a super dose that the tax taxation on the immune system would lead to people that follow that protocol getting COVID four times more likely right. than, than those who did not go through that protocol, i.e. they got the virus and they got over it. And that's what he said. And that was pretty get your shock, booster, shocking. Get your booster, folks. Yeah, yes. really. And, I, I, the booster, and he talked about the challenge to the immune system as the spike protein is produced and the you know you have to you're it, building up immunity can lower immunity in that process of ta taxing the immune system and then you don't know how to regulate how many uh, spike proteins are produced or exactly how long and each person differs and there's going to be a high minority of people who get those who will keep producing spike proteins that will acculturate the body two spike proteins so that when you see the genuine spike protein from COVID, it won't react. And he, he gave the example of uh, allergies. Yeah. And so right. Fol he, fo he, folks yeah. who are new to the show have to really uh, go back and find it's not only a few weeks ago and find it on Victor's website. Mm -hmm. He's very careful. I, that's why I respect him because uh, although I agree with him on almost everything, he's, he doesn't, he doesn't speculate. He, when he says something, he cites uh, refereed articles or he cites right. he doesn't get into conspiracy theories. But the result of it's pretty devastating to what transpired. And, the, and he's also not just a scientist. He's a public intellectual. So he, right. he can talk about the loss of civil liberties because of this. Yeah, he's just yeah. wonderful to listen to and frightening to listen to. But he was—you—you uh, you just get uh, nobody listens to immediate him. sense of authority yeah, yeah. and wisdom from him. He—he was—he so. was writing, warning people that this came from the Wuhan lab from very very early on, and he gave all sorts of scientific reasons. As did remember the was it Nicholas Wade, the science writer for the New York Times? He was a he was he wrote it all out about he didn't say it came from the Wuhan right. lab. He said the evidence overwhelmingly right. suggests it does versus a pangolin or a bat. And he was to they he was fired. I don't know if exactly for that, for other things, but they just they tried to destroy him. Every anybody who said that Tom Cotton said that and they went after him. And so I said that. And that was one of the reasons that I was brought up, apparently, although I was never right. told of my all my crimes. There's so many of them. Right, thought, yeah, I never know what <laughs> a Stanford faculty senate thought I was a criminal. Or, yeah, led uh, by an Antifa poet or whatever the hell yeah. that jerk's name was. All right, we, is, we, we, I, that's a good, I think he was a poet critic. He's not a po an Antifa, uh, but I don't think you can say Antifa. You have to say Antifa-Stanford. Stanford, Stanford oh, <laughs> 
Okay. I say that because I said a glider, BLM endorsed, had a poster with a glider, and I got a, an email and said, how dare you say BLM did that? It was BLM Chicago that did that. <laughs> oh, my God. Nitpickers. All right, Victor, I'm going to we're going to talk about one more thing, but you're only going to get three or four minutes to talk about it. And we're going to do that right after this final important message. Back with the Victor Davis Hanson show. Uh, very quickly, though, the aforementioned Blade of Perseus, Victor's website, go to victorhanson.com, check it out. Anything and everything you want to know about Victor is there. Links to this and that, appearances, podcasts, articles written, ultra articles that he writes exclusively two or three times a week for the Blade of Perseus. To read them, you have to subscribe. What's that cost? Five bucks gets you in the door, discounted $50. For the year. Did I say get you in the door? I, was, <laughs> I got my Bronx on there. So uh, check that out, victorhanson.com. Victor, we we only have a few few minutes. So I had, I've talked to you about this ahead of time. And we talked at great length in our previous podcast about plagiarism. Of course, this is the uh, topic about uh, Claudine Gay, the president of, of Harvard, and how she – she just gets the more we know about her, the more we find out that she's she's uh, stolen and copied stuff without attribution. Victor, you taught uh, for many years at, at colleges, and I'm just wondering in the academic world, it's probably like a BC and AD. Like now, you get away with it. Nobody is ashamed of anything nowadays. But once upon a time, back in the day, as they say, Victor, if you were a plagiarist or even suspected of plagiarism. In the academic world, what was uh, what went through the thoughts of colleagues of such a person? Well, uh, as a graduate student at Stanford, if a person plagiarized on a thesis or even a paper, any paper, that was immediate dismissal. And that happened. I, I know graduate students that were kicked out. When I was a young academic, it was so rare to plagiarize, um, in other words, to take language, what they now call duplicative language, that it was just a career ending. It was like murder. So what plagiarism was, was that if you wrote a book or had a thesis, other scholars, the accusation went, took your idea and had no prior uh, exposure to it and then claimed it as their own by, you know, manipulative or deceptive footnoting or something. When with something like if I had an idea, uh, oh, that if I developed an idea why people lived on farms in the fifth century, somebody who uh, would think that would be a good idea would then write an article about that, use all the sources that I did, right? Uh, and some of them very obscure, you know, ant, you know, uh, alien or something like the era way out. Uh, uh, you would never find it. Just you have to take the, the right. source. I took the source of the Greek language, 58 million words and would read it all. You know, when I, when I get the results for a particular word, I'd spend hours reading it in Greek and then cite that. But my point is this, and then they, to, to show that they didn't take the idea, they would write a footnote and say for, uh, 
the idea of isolated farms on uh, farmhouses, uh, see Victor Hansen, although he's completely mistaken and he and he's uh, he's <laughs> been very political or something like that, oh, yeah. or they would not cite you at all. But they wouldn't dare take something from you word for word. That was just unheard of. And when people, you know, there was a lot of it. What happened was in the 60s and 70s and 80, various, various, very slowly, we started to make exceptions based on ideology. I think Martin Luther right. King was one of the greatest Americans, but he did plagiarize his PhD thesis. And that was found out by a scholar at Stanford who I think was African-American. And that was a that was a plagiarized thesis. And I don't mean ideas that that I first referenced. I mean words. And Fareed right. Zakaria Fareed Zakaria, who's now been very vocal, he did plagiarize. And Maureen Dowd was accused of plagiarism. And the the most egregious case was, you know, Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose, he, yeah. In, you know, Into the Wild Yonder or uh, yeah. that book on the Air Force. He he that was very egregious because he took word for word entire passages from a very good scholar who had a much more scholarly account of the same types of air missions and fighting in World War II and did not sell the book as well because he wasn't a popular writer. He didn't have that skill that Ambrose did. So he got no credit. And Ambrose wasn't satisfied with taking his ideas. He just lifted it. And I, I think that was discovered by the Weekly Standard. And uh, Boris Kearns Goodwin. Yes. Another case. Yes, of, another court. Yeah. Uh, she said, usually now they blame it on the, the research assistant. Well, I just had these note cards and I didn't realize that when they wrote me a note, it was the exact, that's completely bogus. And she lost her job at, I guess, PBS. And then she was really rehabilitated. Right. My point is this, if you're Fareed Zakaria or you're really famous and Stephen Ambrose, people forget, they think he was very, very conservative. He wasn't. I remember him. I went to a lecture at the Stanford campus that he spoke uh, in the history department on Custard and Geronimo. Or it was he came in with buckskins on and hair down to his soul, uh, shoulders, and he was boasting that I think he said he was the first tenured professor in the United States to be fired for ideology, left wing ideology, but it was ideology. And it was, and he he was. It was some university, I think, in Texas A and M or somewhere. Hmm. And any, anyway, he came in like he was smoking every five right. seconds. He had buckskin. I think he's a great historian. I, I'm not making fun of him, but my point is this: that when you when you started to see that happen, it was reacting to two things in the popular culture: one, that people on the left were so morally superior that you had to give them exemption because their heart was in the right place. And number two, that postmodern Foucault, Lacan, Derrida that said there is no absolute truth, that all rules are made up by wealthy white power people, and they inflict that power imbalance on other people. And so, therefore, plagiarism is just a construct. Why not just take, you know, why not share things like you share bread or you share food or you, you're a socialist commune? Why can't you just share ideas? Who needs to have property? So they were teaching us that the author was trying to assert property rights because of his privilege over someone else. 
And all of that filtered down in the popular culture and therefore it greenlighted it. But so what I what I'm getting at is plagiarism was not plagiarism as we define it when I was a student and an early scholar. It was appropriating ideas without and I think it's a cardinal sin to do that. I never did that. And I always tried to over footnote. If I had an idea that was similar to something, I always said, see somebody, see this for a, a more comprehensive view or something. But my point is this, is that now we're so far beyond that that we don't even talk. We don't even say that if you said to Harvard, Claudine Gay took an idea that I had and expanded it as her own, that wouldn't be. They'd say, so what? Everybody does that now. It's so. Right. And then now we're to the next level where you can steal. I know that there was a lot of scholars who, when they were writing their PhDs, they felt their PhD was duplicative language of somebody else, duplicative ideas, to use their term. Right. And, they, and they made a big stink out of it. But uh, this stuff where you the Doris Kearns stuff and the Fareed Zakaria stuff and all these other people i think uh Maureen Dowd had an accusation as well is is sort of new that it's become normalized yeah and and there's no there's no downside to it there's no downside there unless you think that Maureen Dowd's career has suffered or Fareed no, no. is Fareed Zakaria's Career hasn't suffered. Nice work and if I, you can get it. I, yeah. I saw Doris Kearns on. She was on PBS again. I not too long. Oh ago. sure. But yeah, she was. Uh, she's on see. Morning. Was on Morning Joe uh, quite a lot. And, and by the of way, that Claudine Gay has not suffered. Right. I'll add one more, Brian Williams, because he came up in my ill-fated uh, campaign for a city clerk of yeah, Milford. Yeah, he was he, different though, wasn't it? He was. Uh, what's the word for that? He was a fabulist. Right. Oh, fabulous. True. He Stolen like, valor kind of. Uh, yeah. He said he was downed in helicopters and stuff. It was like Hillary said that she landed in Yugoslavia, the former Yugoslavia under gunfire. Remember, and they had fire. the clip clip and she was just walking out, strolling yeah. in the park, so to speak. And yeah. Or but, Joe, but Joe, Joe Biden is a plagiarist. We forgot the biggest plagiarist. Oh, my he, God. He got, yeah. God, he was expelled. <laughs> what? He was put on probation for a semester at. at Law yeah. school. And then he was a fa- he was a fabulous, too. He said he was a long term semi truck driver. You wrote a very elegant article in anguish about how he had made up a fable that this truck driver had killed his first wife because he was drunk. It was a total lie and a slur and a smear that the person's family had to live with. Arrested and imprisoned in South Africa. How, the- yeah, how yeah, can you yeah. that? Yeah, 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 all of them. He's a fabulist <laughs> and he's a plagiarist. He took Neil Kinnock's speech. I'm the first generation in my family to ever leave a coal mine, that kind of stuff. Never, yeah. And he just took that word for word. And then he got angry when everybody he said, I'm, "I don't know what you're talking about. I was I, I was the I was in the top third of my class on scholarship. No, yeah. you weren't. You were, in, and then the bottom third. And then he said, and you know, I could have gone to, I was such a great, I could have gone to Naval Academy. But there was a guy named Roger Staubach, and he just sure. beat me out, so I had to go out. That was a total lie. <laughs> no, there was no evidence that he ever applied there." It's a nasty ass uh, Walter Mitty. That's how I've always envisioned. Yeah, that. well, that yeah. that is a form of that's fabulism, but yeah. I guess I guess it's kind of a plagiarism. So that is all. I don't know. Plagiarism is with AI now and all of the internet. It's going to be a nightmare. Yeah. It's, it's a lip behind it all, though. The normalization of of sin and crime 
and at the uh, amorality is what the left right. does because it's part of that egalitarian equality of result di yeah. that we're all equal and we're not going to give inordinate credit to some artist or writer when he has an idea that's common to mankind and it's like he's got his 200 acre farm and he has a little line around it and you can't go borrow it or can't walk across it because he's really into property rights. And these authors are really into, they think that just because they came up with some phraseology, it belongs for them for the ages. I'm sorry. It's part of the communes. That's, that's behind it. Yeah. Well, if you can uh, just ransack the local 7-Eleven, why can't you ransack, uh, why can't why an academic ransack someone else's work and make, steal it? Make, it, makes, it makes sense. And if you yeah. can get tenured on four articles at Stanford and never have <laughs> written a book in your life right. and plagiarize 60% of your work and end up as president of Harvard, then you're not going to have the moral authority to kick out some kid who, you know, cut and paste on AI or something and steal something. You can't do yeah. it. Well, getting ready for those lawsuits. All right, Victor, we've uh, we've run out the clock here. Yes, I know you've have. got things to do, and I do. I want to thank you and uh, uh, for all the wisdom you shared. Thank our listeners for being here. Just quick uh, uh, comment from one of the articles on from from your website. Um, Eli writes, "Dear Mister Hansen, I enjoy your views as shown on television. It is sad." We don't have more people like you opening the eyes of the woke crowd. Thank you, Eli. Thanks, folks, who uh, rate the show on Apple and iTunes and leave comments. We do read them all. I want to thank the folks who sign up at civilthoughts.com for the free weekly email newsletter I write there. Call Civil Thoughts. Check it out. Uh, Victor, this is our last, your last show, my last show. You may be doing one with Sammy. But not with me for for uh, this year, and I want to wish you and Sammy and the Hanson family and all our listeners a very uh, happy New Year. And gird your loins because the the year we're about to enter into is uh, I think is going to be one for the for the ages. So uh, thanks all, and Victor, thank you. Yes, God, and God bless. Thank you, Jack, and thank everybody for listening. 2023 is over. It was kind of a bad year, and I. 2024 is going to be like a year we've never seen before. It's going to have things in it that are going to be calamitous and and good, but it's going to be exciting and we're going to be yeah. here with we're going to be here with you the whole way. 